Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Hello, welcome to Patriots First and Goal, week two of the preseason, even though it's like week 10 of the preseason. I never quite know why it's week two of the preseason, but you know what I mean, folks. It's underway. Patriots Texans is over. We're going to talk about that. Patriots Packers is happening soon. We're going to talk about that. Some interesting moves around New England. We're going to talk about that. But the first thing I want to talk about is how my good buddy Rich Hill is feeling on this beautiful mid-August evening. How you doing, buddy? Alec, uh... I'm still not getting over that Patriots first preseason game. I'm going to be honest. It's one of those games where I was just like, why do we subject ourselves to this? Huh? <laughs> why, why are we doing this? There, there's one where, uh, you know, every so often you get one of those out of the blue DJ Foster type players that takes over the entire preseason where you see them go for a hundred yards and you're like, I'm glad I watched that. I'm really glad that I stuck around till that fourth quarter to watch that. Uh, Alec, why did we watch this game? What is going on? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing better than you are, I think, buddy. Um, I don't know. I feel like if you are the kind of person, of which I am a card-carrying member for the record, but if you are the kind of person who is watching a QB take a knee in the fourth <laughs> quarter of a preseason game, um, it might be time to reevaluate your priorities unless you get paid a lot of money to cover the team, which if you're, if you're there for work, that's one thing. But if you don't have to be there, which mm-hmm. neither you and I technically have to be there, uh, but I was there for the entire thing. Uh, I always then for the first preseason game because I'm just so starved for football by the time late August comes around, I guess. I just like seeing it. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really – anything to write home about for either team uh, I'm guessing that some back there are some guys that showed up we'll talk about that I think there are some guys that didn't show up which is also telling about their roster spots and whatnot so there's definitely a lot we can take away from this game but objectively in a vacuum as a game it was wildly forgettable yeah yeah I mean when the highlight is your third actually technically fourth string quarterback third string for this game your fourth string quarterback is the lone moment of excitement for your offense you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Um, but that said, first down, let's start with this. Winners from the Patriots' first offseason game, I'm going to go with Malik Cunningham as my my first one because uh, of all of the players that were able to take the field, he is perhaps one of the only ones that elevated his position from where the game started 
to where the game ended. I think for many of the other players, if they were third in the depth chart, they remained third at the depth chart. There was not a lot of really strong performances out there other than Malik Cunningham, who, in my book, has firmly and assertively positioned himself from fourth quarterback on the depth chart to third, getting ahead of Trace McSorley. And we've already seen some of it this week at camp against the Packers, where he's continued to play a quarterback. They're giving him opportunities uh, to kind of step in in the middle of drives that both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are leading. But I think of all the players who performed, Cunningham led a touchdown drive. He showed his athleticism. He showed accuracy, uh, you know, given what it was, um, but specifically his running ability and his ability to make things happen. And you're not looking for much from your third quarterback by any means. You're looking for someone who can, in a pinch, make a few plays. And obviously, all the caveats of this being the, the end of the Texans' already weak roster. But of any of the players, I would say that Cunningham is my winner. Yeah, and he should have thrown – he ran for a touchdown. It was a great run, great juke, but he should have had a touchdown pass because that yep. was as sweet a pass as you can yep. hit a receiver with right in the right between the hands, and Nixon just dropped it on the run. Yeah, it's hard not to be excited about that, that kind of performance, especially uh, on the hails of the three quarters we had to endure prior to that. Great winner. <laughs> and I think we're all kind of excited to see what he can bring to the table. As a quarterback, I think he delivered as well as he possibly can. Uh, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball for my, my big winner of the preseason, uh, preseason game one, I should say. I know the easy answer here is Keon White. He was probably the biggest defensive standout. Yep. Uh, really excited about what he brings to the table. But I'm going to give list a player that I had actually totally forgotten was a Patriot. Mm-hmm. I totally showed up against the Texans, which is Anthony Jennings. They had him lined up along the edge as kind of like an in-and-out linebacker role. He only had one tackle, but a lot of pressures. He was constantly in the backfield. He showed good versatility, a good burst on the line. Uh, I think he could maybe be potentially that that Josh Uche style of role, not in terms of the player match, but he's the player that kind of just didn't have a good early yep. career. And now we had a breakout a breakout 2022. So I'm hoping Anthony Jennings can build momentum he took, uh, take the momentum he built in, in week two, in week one and, and bring it to week two against the Packers. Yeah, I mean, I like that. He, he is someone who played a surprising amount last year. I think it's one where if you look back at the snap counts, you'd be like, he played 400 snaps on defense. Like he's he one of those players that like was always on the field. Uh, I, I think he'll probably have a bigger role this year. I'm not expecting a lot. He'll probably feature a lot on special teams. He'll be a fine depth player. I wouldn't be surprised if he had this, you know, turns 30 years old and has a career jump like Dietrich Wise. Uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely a role for him. Uh, specifically on the edge, but due to his versatility, plays you know both outside and slightly like inside off the ball, um, has that versatility that Bill Belichick likes. So I like that one. Um, some other winners that I would just like to call out, specifically the players who didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that those are really strong indicators of uh, who are the roster locks and then who's injured. And if you're not injured, then it's a really good sign that you didn't play that much. Um, First one, I mean, this is also like cheating going off of the book. Demario Douglas did not play much at all. He had like three snaps all game for a rookie. That's a pretty good sign that he's the fourth man on the depth chart, specifically thinking about how much Tyquan Thornton played. I think Douglas has already jumped him in that depth chart. He's number four behind other players who didn't suit up, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Kendrick Bourne, another big winner from that one. I think specifically with the idea that is he tradable? Is his position in flux? I mean, obviously he can still be traded, but the fact that he didn't suit up really makes it seem secure when you also saw other players actually suit up. 
Uh, you saw some other veterans who kind of felt like perhaps their role was a little bit more secure, like Jalen Mills. He took the field, had an interception, made the most of it. I think he's fine. But the fact that he suited up and Kendrick Bourne did not, I feel like is a good sign for Kendrick Bourne. And then you have a whole bunch of other players out there that like shouldn't be surprises. You know, you got your your Duggars, you got your uh, Marcus Jones, um, you got uh, a few other players out there that uh, are injured that didn't play, obviously. Um, but I, I think it was a really strong sign for Kendrick Bourne uh, on the offensive side, and then on the defensive side, people who didn't play big big ups for uh, Barmore, Wise, Godshaw, and Guy. Those are your four roster locks on that defensive front. Sounds like a law firm right there. <laughs> Rich, you mentioned a lot of wide receivers as kind of like winners for their, their non-playing status, Kendrick Bourne being among them. Uh, two receivers that did play that are probably on most people's radars, Tyquan Thornton and Kayshawn Boutte, or Boot, however we pronounce it. Uh, the only highlight that wasn't Lee Cunningham generated was that 27-yard grab from Zappy to Thornton. Great high point, really well brought in. That's literally the lone offensive highlight for the Patriots in the first half of the game, first three yeah. quarters of the game, I should say. Um, I can't imagine they're going to keep like six, seven wide receivers, even if you don't count Matthew Slater as a wide receiver. I know on our last podcast, you talked about maybe Thornton being the outside looking in, maybe Kendrick Bourne moving on. Based on the performance, the two catch of 31 yards and the number of snaps Thornton got, is he that last man in the receiver room for you right now? I think so. Right now, number five guy would be Thornton. Uh, if injuries happen, then maybe Boutte could like get onto the roster or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they would intend to have him be a practice squad stash. Someone gets the Foxborough flu. But I, I think it's a, a pretty strong Thornton number five, Boutte number six. And I agree. I have a hard time seeing them have six on that roster, especially knowing that Mike Jasicki, uh suffered that shoulder injury. He should be ready for week one. But if we're talking about players that add to that wide receiver depth, he adds to the perception of receiver depth. And they would also likely just need to hold on to an additional tight end until they're sure he's like 100% ready. Could be Matt Sokol. He started with the, yep. the ones week one as well. So, yeah, there are a lot of guys on the outside looking in right now, as is the case every preseason. To that point, Rich, let's go to second down. They're the second and goal. Flip side of the coin, big losers from the preseason week one. There are some winners. Who are your losers or biggest loser of the preseason week one against Texans? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious corollary to Malik Cunningham is Trace McSorley, so I'm not really going to do that one. My biggest losers, the Patriots rushing attack highlighting the entire offensive line, as well as Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. Uh, Harris had eight carries for 10 yards, including a seven-yard run. So seven for three, that's ghastly. Pierre Strong had six for 21, so not as bad, but 3.5 is not what you're looking for, including an eight-yard run on that one. That means five for 13. That's also really bad. And it's not necessarily their fault. I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that this offensive line is completely beat up. They don't have a lot of talent in there. Obviously, a lot of the starters weren't playing. David Andrews wasn't suited up. Uh, you know, we don't have Unwenu. We don't have Cole Strange. Uh, Riley Reef didn't step in. Trent Brown didn't play. So basically, the entire starting lineup wasn't there. But the fact that this offensive line was still so bad, I think one of the biggest concerns that we've had heading into this year was what is the state of the Patriots depth here? And it's still not good. 
<laughs> it's still very, very bad. Uh, if one of the starters goes down, I have zero confidence in their backup's ability to perform, similar to what we saw last year. And I'm not going to blame Matt Patricia in full on that one, as that, you know, wing Cole Strange had to be like taken out for a little bit. There wasn't anyone able to step in. Like this is just a weak offensive line. If if uh, James Ferentz is your top backup across the board, he's a below average offensive lineman and a very clear weak point that forces the other players to have to pick up around him. And if we're looking at a Patriots offensive line where both guards are dealing with injuries, where you have offensive tackles that are, you know, not fully solidified in their starting lineup. I'm looking for one of these players as a backup to step up and make me say, okay, if there's one injury, we can shuffle around and still have a fine offensive line because you look in the past, the sixth and seventh offensive linemen usually play a fair amount in a given year. And so the fact that the Patriots don't have any of those and no one seems to be stepping up into that role has me a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, it is highly, highly reasonable to expect an offensive lineman or two to miss some downs yep. between September and January. Even if like, hey, my shoe's untied. I need to snap off to get my equipment back on. Like it's going to happen. It happens every year. And if you are literally one leg cramp away from your entire line falling apart, it's definitely cause for concern, particularly given how poor the running game was, particularly even more. You and I have talked about it all offseason. The 2023 Patriots seem to be very well geared to be a defensive team, a running team, a clock management team. And you cannot do that without an offensive line. Obviously, it's early and no starters played, as you mentioned. So there's no point panicking yet. But you know, I'd be paying. It's kind of point like right now. I'd be panicking the second anytime you see a big man with a six on his jersey lying <laughs> on the ground. I'd be very upset. So yeah, hopefully the again in practice this week as the pack talk about later on in the podcast doesn't give me any more confidence. Not like they're they're holding their own against Green Bay, and Green Bay isn't this lights out pass rush from hell. So. A lot of time to fix it, but yeah, definitely a cause for concern. That's a good loser. Yep. Big losers, actually, Patriots fans who saw an interception followed by a short <laughs> run, an incompletion, and a sack, and then a field goal. Ugh. We got too many of those last year, Rich. You did not need to see that on the first possession of 2023, but I digress. My big loser, I'm going to totally zig where you zagged or zag where you zigged. Uh, I'm going to take your preseason winner and make him my preseason loser, and mm. Leek Cunningham. And it is completely not his fault. He played great with the time he had, but he had literally one drive late in the fourth quarter against 11 men who are all going to be selling insurance this time next month. And there are legitimately people in Patriots Nation hoping they build an entire offense around him, seeing him legitimately competing with Mac Jones for the number one spot, saying get Zappy out of there. They're just so high on Malik Cunningham. And look, he was fun. It was a nice breath of fresh air after a very boring game. But excuse me for wanting to pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not crowning this guy the next Tom Brady. You know, the, the, the first round draft pick and Drew Bledsoe went down. He was just undrafted guy. It just let's 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 enjoy it. Let's realize when it was, how it was done, and who it was against, and give Malik Cunningham more time to suck for a bit and grow as an athlete before we get too excited. So what you're telling me is that he's going to be the best starter in the league. I, I just want to make sure I'm following. I, I think he's the next Jalen Hurts, if I had to guess. Um, yeah, it's going to be completely unfair. Every time he touches the ball, people are going to expect him to do something electric uh, through, as you said, no fault of his own. That's the way it is with every single preseason star. 
you know, as I mentioned, DJ Foster was one of those. I feel like there's always one of those wide receivers or historically a tight end that would put up like an 80 yard game. And it's just like, I can't wait to see them actually pull that together with the starters during the regular season. And then nothing ever actually ends up happening. Uh, yeah. I don't think Cunningham's going to see the field this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Cunningham didn't see the field for his entire rookie contract, but the fact that he did step up when no one else did that entire game, other than maybe the special teamers, maybe uh, the fact that he rose to the occasion has me more excited about the Patriots third string quarterback uh, (laughs) than there's any reason for anyone to ever be excited about that position. No, for sure. Again, I'm not saying don't be excited about him, but if you're out there thinking, wow, the Patriots really found something special in this guy, let's take that emotion, let's bottle it up, and let's keep it on the shelf for a while, and we'll bring it out maybe you know in week three against the Jets when Mac Jones is running and he gets his lung collapsed on a huge hit and this no-name from a small school has to come in. Maybe we'll see the Tom Brady cycle revolve at that point, but let's just give Malik Cunningham the respect he deserves, but let's also give him a time to just – be a third string undrafted quarterback in the NFL. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And that's completely fine to ask for. Uh, Alec, do you have any final winners or losers uh, or do you want to move into the break and go into the second actually, half? One more last winner. And this is actually a legit winner because I don't think there's anything different. I'm no football mind, but I don't think uh, the term punt mm. means anything different in the preseason versus regular season. That's, it's kind of you just punt the ball. You don't have to like plan for it. You punt left, you punt right. And the Patriots punter, Bryce Berenger, I think he had a great game. Even the one he shanked took a took a nice bounce. Uh, I pretty much feel like he has completely locked himself in there. And in a season where field position was a disaster for the Patriots, special teams was a disaster for the Patriots, be able to win that field position game, particularly if the offensive line does struggle the way we're a little worried it might, uh, it's going to be a nice mm-hmm. one for the Patriots. So a good day for Berenger. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Chad Ryland also is doing a good job securing his spot as the starter at kicker above Nick Volk. Uh, continue to have a good practice session against the Packers as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the special teamers, they already expected them to be in that first spot just because the nature of them being drafted. But for them to maintain and not let anyone down is is nice to see. Uh, it's always nice to see when you draft a special teamer that they actually contribute as opposed to just being cut. For sure. For sure. So those are our winners, our losers. That is Patriots Texans. Close the book on that. Third down after this. Football season's about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Rachel, third down. Uh, some news before we get to Patriots-Packers. They're doing joint practices this week for Saturday's preseason matchup. 
pretty interesting news. Not overly surprising given the visit and the mutual respect these teams exhibited. Ezekiel Elliott is now a Patriot. The New England running back room just got a little bit more beefy. How do you feel about it? Uh, I like it. I like it. It's one of those moves where uh, super incentive related in contract, like he has to get over like a thousand yards from scrimmage and play more than 50% of the snaps to even get any of his incentives. And to me, I'm like, I mean, if he d- he's doing that, he's earned it. So like, that's cool. I'm fine with that. So you get a you know very reasonable contract for a veteran with highly proven ability in particular in the areas that the Patriots have needed a little bit of help in. He's a very, very good pass blocker. He's done it all over the course of the career, his career. He obviously like wasn't leaned on a lot as a receiver last year, but he has historically been uh, a reliable outlet person. But in particular, I think what makes me excited about having him in there is that he does it all. Maybe he's not the same Ezekiel Elliott as he was for the first four years of his career, but with Ramondre Stevenson as a 1A, I'm fine with Zeke as a number one B. He, the, the idea that the Patriots might be moving away from what they've done historically is something that makes me very excited where in the past, you knew that Stephen Ridley was going to run the ball and Shane Vereen was going to catch it. You knew who was going to run, you know, who was going to catch. And that allowed the opposing defenses to get off on their keys and have more of an advantage. Obviously having Tom Brady under center gave the Patriots a a trump card over uh, whatever the defense might be able to acknowledge, but that is not the case with Mac Jones at this point in his career. And so to not pre-tip your hand to the opposing defense is a must. And so for Ezekiel Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson to both be able to run block and catch will mean that they're going to be so much more versatile in offense. And even if Ezekiel Elliott is a 40% snap guy or just is the spell to Ramondre Stevenson, I'm happy with having him around. Yeah. I mean, it's a great contract. It's, it's, I think it's a great win-win for both teams. Zeke's only, I think he's 28 years old. He's got a lot of miles on him with Dallas. Not like he's this yeah. washed up running back. I imagine if you're a Mondre fantasy owner, you are lamenting this particular because <laughs> a lot of the goal line carries might go to Zeke, but I can totally see like a two back jumbo set around the goal line with Mondre and Ezekiel Elliott. Like, what do you do there? Um, the big thing, you, your point is the biggest one, though, like as a blitz pickup, pass blocking. That is just such a question mark still. I don't really think Zeke's a third down back per se, but as a pass blocker, he's probably the best one on the team already as a, from a running back standpoint. So that's going to be huge, particularly given the O-line problems. As an outlet receiver, as a check down, the Patriots really, really missed that outlet. James White, Deion Lewis, dump the ball off, have a guy make a guy miss and pick up 10 yards that they had for most of the Bill Belichick era. And so hopefully he can bring that. And if nothing else, if the Patriots are making the playoffs in 2023, knock on wood, I don't want Stevenson limping to the finish line. I want two sets of fresh legs and I want four sets of fresh legs. Um, So I think it's a great move to women for both sides, betting on himself. Maybe next year he gets a bigger contract somewhere else. I can't see this personally. Maybe you disagree being more than a one-year deal for the Patriots, but I think it's really worth for both sides. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I feel like he'll have the right value. Like we're at a point where people are like, don't pay running backs anything. And it's an area where uh, I haven't seen anything from Pierre strong or Kevin Harris. That makes me feel like, Oh no, they're going to take time away from them. There is a case to be made that if they had a player that was a sixth round pick that was performing at a level that I was like, what deep they're good. Don't, don't, don't put a veteran in front of them, but we're at the stage of the season where 
you're not going to add that young talent. You're if you're looking to solidify your running back room at this point in the year because Harris and because Strong haven't emerged at this point, then Ezekiel Elliott's a great option. That's it, someone that will absolutely raise the floor of your room. And even if he's not a you know 1500 yard rusher anymore, he still was a thousand yards from scrimmage and 12 touchdowns last year, the year before the two years before he was averaging 1300 yards from scrimmage and, you know, 10 scores. He still has value. Obviously huge caveat. The Cowboys offensive line has been just five all pros and the Patriots don't have that. And that was contributing to a lot of Ezekiel Elliott's success over the course of his career. Patriots don't have that, but still, Elliott is a better running back than Strong. He is a much better running back than Harris. And so to me, for the amount that it costs to add someone like Elliott to the roster, it's a no-brain decision. So follow-up to that, Rich Hill, you obviously are higher on Zeke than you are on either Strong or Harris. Yeah. I'm guessing one of those guys, as of right now, is not making the team come the end of August. Who are you cutting, Strong or Harris? Honestly, I, I would say that they all, if, if I had to cut one, it would probably be Harris. Uh, but if they're, because I, I think that Strong adds more special teams value. He's a higher upside athlete and everything like that. Harris is probably someone you could stash on the practice squad. But I honestly think they keep all four of them. I think J.J. Taylor is the odd man out. I would expect Ty Montgomery to start the season on the you know uh, unable to perform list or some variation of that. Uh, and that would leave spaces for all four of them to make it. And I kind of think that's how the Patriots will move. We will soon find out. I imagine Ezekiel won't see a lot of time against the Packers, but Harrison Strong most certainly will. Let's get the fourth down, Rich. Fourth and goal. Patriots, Packers. They are practicing as we speak. Well, not literally as we speak. <laughs> they are practicing. You're hearing the usual stuff when teams get together. There's little scraps and little fights. I think Jack yep. Jones got into the receiver, and there's a little more intensity, which I love to see. Jordan Love's been getting getting some fits from the Patriots defense. Mac Jones been getting sacked nonstop from the Packers defense. Should be some good tender a tinder for uh, hopefully a more exciting preseason matchup. Uh, week two Saturday night. I think at eight seven or eight p.m. It kicks off. Uh, what are your early thoughts on Patriots Packers practice so far? Anything particular exciting to you? Yeah, I mean it's one of those games. Uh, you know, kickoff is Saturday the nineteenth at eight p.m. Eastern. It's one of those games where the Patriots will finally get to see some of the starters. You know, last year we saw Mac Jones play for three drives against uh, the Carolina Panthers. I would expect something similar. You know, yet uh, you know three quarter or three drives out of him. Maybe they'll give him the first half. I could see Zappy getting the second half, something like that. Uh, for the bulk of last year. Uh, I believe they they let Zappy take most of the second half, including the final drive of the first half. Hoyer got like one drive. Um, but I, I think that Mac Jones will finally get a chance to go out there. We will see some of the starters. Uh, we will get to see Devontae Parker. We'll see Juju Smith-Schuster. We'll, we'll see Kendrick Bourne. Hopefully we'll see more of the offensive line as Trent Brown's been practicing. Uh, we'll get some stability across that ranks. We're probably still not going to see Cole Strange, probably still not going to see Malcolm Mwenu. But uh, I believe David Andrews should be out there. Uh, hopefully they'll have some solidification of the right tackle spot on whoever it is. Uh, right now, I believe they've been trotting out Riley Reef at right guard and then City Sau as the right tackle. Um, I'm not thrilled about that lineup, but there's also not a lot of other really good options, especially with Calvin Anderson uh, on the pup list. So that offensive tackle and guard spot is pretty hairy right now. So 
the big limitation that the Patriots had against the Texans in this past week is that they just didn't have an offensive line. So very naturally, they just want to get the ball out as soon as they could. That led to that really short passing game, led to it being pretty boring. Um, but, you know, Zappi was 12 of 14. I'm hoping that there'll be better opportunities for Mac Jones to hold on to the ball to throw it. I'm not going to hold my breath. I would expect this to be one of those games where it's just get the ball out quickly, get the ball out quickly. Probably going to be a big game for Juju Smith-Schuster. And the rapport that he shows with Mac Jones is something that I will very much be looking for because Juju is replacing Jacoby Myers. That is the plan. Myers had a very good rapport with Mac Jones, albeit one that felt like there was a ceiling to it. I'm curious to see how these players are on the same page. Uh, There's going to be a whole host of new faces lining up in that offensive lineup. Uh, And even if they're not new, they'll have new functions. So thinking of like how Hunter Henry has reinvented himself. Hopefully Devontae Parker will have an emerged role. Uh, Adding Newt Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne will be reawakened after just being completely underutilized last year. I think that this will be an opportunity for the offense to really show more of the uh, of the advancement that they've been putting together during all of training camp, all those positive reports in a way that we just weren't at uh, this point last year. One thing we talked about earlier in the podcast, Rich, about the Texans Patriots game is the players that didn't see the field and what that meant for them. Uh, Do you, would you agree that this is a scenario that if you don't see the field early on in this game, it might be telling as well, but from more and more negative perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the players that take the field to start this game that play in the first quarter are likely those that the team expects to have an impact over the course of this year. That is going to be how it is. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, you know, Demary Douglas play with the second strings, you know, you'll, you'll get some of those players with Bailey Zappi out there as the top backups over the course of, you know, second quarter, third quarter kind of a thing. Um, but I would absolutely read into who is lining up with whom, because that is very reflective of the coach's current perceptions of how the roster currently stands. I'll give you this too, Rachel. I think we've talked a lot about the guys that are probably not going to make the team. The guys who are going to make the team will have a much better sense of who like the legit starters are on yep. Sunday morning. There's also that middle of the road where there's maybe two or three spots, maybe one spot available in each positional grouping, and there's a couple of guys fighting for that. And those are the guys that have the most to prove, I think, yep. on Saturday night. The guys that are really legitimate roster contenders, but they haven't quite inked their spot yet. So in your opinion, if there's a guy or two guys or any particular player combination you think really have the most to prove on Saturday, who are they? Yeah, I mean, I think that there a lot of these are back end of the roster sort of competitions. Like who's going to be the third tight end? Who's going to be the fifth wide receiver? Who's going to be the offensive lineman seven and eight kind of a thing? I think there are some positions where there's not really a competition. There's not really going to be one at safety. There's not really going to be one at cornerback. Maybe it's going to come down to is Isaiah Bolden or Amir Speed going to be that top cornerback who's more of a special teamer than actually a, a cornerback. I would say the biggest ones that I would watch, we've already talked on a little bit. I would be looking at that wide receiver game, but also that tight end game. So at wide receiver, Demario Douglas, Keishon Butte, and then uh, Tyquan Thornton, who's getting which reps? Who is lining up with whom? Does Douglas actually get time with Mac Jones? When they play with Zappi, who gets more opportunities? What roles do they play? Because I think that's something that gets undersold a little bit is, uh, where do these folks line up? Is Demario Douglas actually just playing the same exact role as Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Kendrick Bourne? If so, does that limit his upside in this offense? Whereas perhaps, uh, you know, Boutte, is Parker really the only person ahead of him in that depth chart? 
that's a very real option. And I think that uh, overall roster build is something worth considering. And then specifically thinking of that tight end spot, Henry, Jaseki are locks. No idea what comes up next. You said Sokol was the top backup, which is true. He continues to see top billing uh, against the Packers during camp. So I would expect him to be the top player up there. But that is completely wide open. And I, I think whichever tight end does the best in this game behind Hunter Henry will have the inside lane to be the next or the you know tight end three on the roster if they keep three. All right. There's still hope for my boy, Johnny Lumpkin. It's still, it's still, <laughs> probably not. I don't think he saw the field at all. Or if he saw the field at all against the Texans, I completely missed it. I was looking very aggressively for Johnny Lumpkin. I just, <laughs> I just love that guy's name. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, th- those were all very legitimate. I think the really the most, ex- at this point, the most exciting question is like, who's going to finish out the receiver room. Uh, who's going to be that last guy in? And there's a couple of guys really vying for that spot. So hopefully Thornton can continue to distance himself. Maybe Boutte steps up. Someone's going to have a big game at some point in this game in the receiver position. Uh, we talked about it in third down, Rich, but I think this is a really good opportunity for Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris yeah. to prove themselves. Uh, you think they'll keep all four? I don't, I'm not sure I agree. We'll see how my final roster projection looks. But uh, neither Harris nor Strong did a damn thing. Uh, against the Texans to say these guys belong on the roster. I do. I agree with you that Strong is a kind of more versatile piece. He's a better pass catcher. I figured he'd maybe grow into that third down back role. Also, like I'd love at some point for Ty Montgomery to show up on this team. I've been ringing the Ty Montgomery bell since they signed him. I was so excited <laughs> about that signing. He's done nothing, Rich Hill. So I don't know. Maybe he's the guy that got a lot to prove because they kind of had expectations around him as like a receiver, running back, gadget player, and he's got no gadgets. It's like go, go. Like remember, remember Inspector Gadget, Rich? You old yep. enough to remember? Inspector oh yeah. Gadget? Oh come on. He'd say go, go, gadget, umbrella, and the umbrella would pop out, and every single time, what happened? Upside down, inside out, and down he went. Just completely plummeted. And I feel like that is what Ty Montgomery has been for the Patriots thus far. So maybe he will become the gadget umbrella to the gadget copter, which always worked. So maybe I'm going to switch my – I guess between those three guys, those three guys, I want to see something out of that trio to make me say these guys belong on this team. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's all these players are trying to assert at this point in time is there's probably 35 roster locks. We're looking for 15 players to say, I deserve a spot on this team above everyone else. And it's not – really a one for one in most of these camp battles. A lot of it is there's three guys competing for two spots or there's four guys competing for two spots. Like it's not player A or player B. There'll be a lot of opportunities. There's a lot more art than science as it relates to who is going to win these roles. As you said, uh, you know, Pierre Strong has uh, more of that physical upside as that pass catcher in a truer sense, uh, you know, just with that true breakaway speed. Is that just the differentiation? I think we've seen more from Strong than Harris overall anyways, plus more on special teams. But if it is truly just like, how do we fill out the rest of this positional grouping? It's going to be the players that differentiate themselves above and beyond the other players. And so there will be a lot of opportunities. There are also a fair number of rookies that are roster locks purely based off of their draft positions even if they are kind of underperforming. City Sow is someone who has not been playing well this entire offseason, but he's more likely than not going to make the team because of the draft capital they spent on him. That's not going to hold true for next year, but that's how it is for right now. And as a result of it, a lot of it will come down to, can they find a spot for him? They've been playing him at tackle. He was more of a guard in college. 
Will they move him back? I think that'll be uh, a narrative to follow as well. Um, but in particular, this is going to come down to, can the players show that they can do one thing really well? Because that is could be the ultimate deciding factor. Can this player be a really good special teamer? If so, they're going to beat it over someone who is mediocre at both. One thing I cannot do really well based on the past couple of years is accurately predict the score of Patriots games. However, <laughs> you're at that point. I believe let's see, you and I both had the Patriots winning in that preseason. By match. a landslide. By a landslide. I think it was like 26 to 13 or something along those lines. Um, in the words of Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, Samsonite, I was way off. So <laughs> I picked first last time. I will give you the, the hammer this time. Patriots, Packers, 8 p.m. Saturday night in Green Bay after a week of practices. Just the hell of it. Who you got? Uh, I'm not feeling good about this, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of faith in this offensive line at this point in time. And uh, as a result, I'm going to go Packers winning this one. I feel like the Patriots offense or the Patriots first team could do pretty well. I think that they're, this is a team that will keep it close for the first little bit. But after seeing how badly the Patriots second and third and fourth stringers performed against a very bad Texans roster, I am not hopeful for them to be able to hold their own against the Packers. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope I'm wrong, but I'm expecting this to be a relatively close, like 10, 10 game around the half. And then over the course of the the second half, the Packers start running away with it. And when it's on like 24 to 13. All right. 24, 13 green Bay. All right. Well, if you want to use these, this week's practices as any indicator, it seems that both defenses are going to have a feast on the opposing quarterbacks and not much ball movement's going to happen. Uh, of course, now that I said that, watch it be like 44-43. But it, it just seems to me that, you know, the Pages offense is looking so much better than it did this time last year, but it's still very much a work in progress. I think I can say the same about Green Bay. I'm a little over my skis in terms of the ins analysis of, of Green Bay's offensive passing attack. I haven't done my homework on them. But I just don't really think the Patriots offense is going to be built at any point to score a lot of points. They're going to have one game where they blow out some team like 45 to 10. because They always have that one game every season. But I think they're going to win a lot of games like 24 to 17. That's going to be a score we see a lot if Patriots win. And maybe that starts uh, this, this Saturday. I'm picking the Patriots just for simplicity's sake. That way one of us has to win on our next podcast. So I will go for the hell of it. Uh, Patriots take this one like 16 to 13. You can't even give them an exciting preseason win. Uh, I I, I just don't see, again, unless maybe we'll see another, you know, Malik Cunningham fourth quarter magic, and that will become an even more of a thing. It'll be like, it'll be like, you know, 10 to 13 to 10, they'll be losing with a minute left. And Malik goes in there and just engineers a game winning drive. And then the hype goes through the roof. And I want to, I want to slap myself in the face for it. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope that happens. I hope you. Uh, I hope you have. I hope to I slap myself here. in the face. Yeah, yeah. I hope you do. I hope you do. Uh, and I hope it's not the result of Chad Ryland kicking five field goals, kind of a thing. Because I don't want to sit through that. I don't want anyone to have to sit through that. I hope Malik Cunningham goes off on his one drive during the game, really cements himself out there, makes you just completely lose your mind, and come back next week and talk about how he is truly the team MVP for this year, and how should we start drawing up packages for him with the Patriots first team offense in week one. That's what I want us to come back for, Alec. Well, I mean, weirder things have happened, Rich Hill, but um, 
if that does, maybe I'll buy like an Alec cardboard cutout and just kind of plant it here and like sneak off camera. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll be breaking down Patriots, uh, hopeful victory, but we'll see how it goes. Hopefully everyone stays healthy. We'll be breaking down the Patriots Packers game, uh, next time that we meet. And then again, we'll be breaking down and previewing the final game and preview of the preseason Patriots on the road against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, before we'll actually get some real football. Alec, uh, do you have any final thoughts as we head into the Week 2 game against the Green Bay Packers? That should do it. Just make sure you head to patspulpit.com. Great coverage, great breakdowns of practices, camp battles, everything you could possibly need. Pat's Pulpit's got you covered. Awesome. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you.